0: Terrific, nonsense, terrific, nonsense. My name's Bond. Firstly, we need to make sure that we keep the basic functions of government going. Uh, That's really important. There are, for example, uh, no ministers in DfE at the moment. That needs to be sorted out. Uh, Secondly, I think we need to try and select a new leader as quickly as we reasonably can. And obviously, uh, we need to make sure we make make the correct choice, uh, but we should do it in a reasonably quick time. In terms of Boris Samon, the convention is that the outgoing Prime Minister um, does carry on. Uh, That's what happened when uh, Theresa my left office is what happened when David Cameron left office and you know given that as we just Terrific. Hello there you succulent strawberries or are you romping raspberries it's chappy or British butter keep calming cauliflower cheese episode 204 today what a week it's been at Westminster what a week it's been generally it's been a very sort of fascinating week across sport uh you've got all the bad news coming in you've got good news coming in you've got interesting news coming in but i don't think things are going to be quite as colorful they're not going to be quite as interesting they might be more competent more efficient less bumbling less of a blonde mop of hair and probably a lot more gel a lot more wax comb back more press suits but don't you like something a little bit more ramshackled i guess i don't know that's the question that's out there but certainly not going to be uh, quite as interesting. But here we are again, lovely people, as happy as can be, all good friends, and jolly good company. I hope you're in tucking into some lovely strawberries, maybe a dash of cream, possibly some carnation milk on there as well. What do you like? Well, I just saw the results. Uh, you know, Cameron Norrie, the Brit, or the New Zealander, Kiwi Brit, as I'm seeing on Twitter now, when people are doing well, they say, yes, British Cameron Norrie. When they're not doing so well, Kiwi-born Brit Cameron Norrie is lost to Novak Djokovic. And that's exactly what's happened here. But anyway, I hope you are tucking into some lovely succulent summer berries on this, uh, on this Friday that's stinking hot, I believe, in the UK. Uh, I think it's going to be up to 100 degrees here in Colorado tomorrow. And I've got my sort of yellow yolk shorts on today. Now these are more of an organic yokey colour, uh, less of a less of a sort of pale imitation uh, caged farmed egg colour. It's a, uh, quite nice actually, very very comfortable. Uh, there's not a lot of give in them, and I do not trust putting my uh, mobile phone or anything else in the pockets because I feel it's going to fall out too easily. Rather comfortable for a podcast, a little bit sort of towelette style. If you imagine the, you know, the Sean Connery bottoms that he wore in Goldfinger, you had the whole, uh, you had the all-in-one, didn't you? But it was a sort of toweling affair, and this, these are very much like a toweling affair. You'd wear these after the pool, and I imagine they were drier. Uh, pretty quickly, but that's what I'm dressed in today, I always love to dress to impress for you, the podcasters, although you don't see me, which is probably a good thing, and that's why we maintain some loyal listeners, but you don't have to put up with this ugly mug week in, week out, you just have to hear the dulcet tones, are a little bit creamed up here, I, I do have a lovely, I did have a lovely uh, a dash of coffee a little while ago, which had some French vanilla in and I think that French vanilla does warm up the vocal cords. Not much eaten today, though. But a nasty touch of diverticulitis last night. Spent uh, most of the evening sipping, uh, sipping barley water with, uh, with a heating pad on. But uh, much more today. I'm feeling rather boisterous today. Back to my normal self. Uh, you know, I didn't go for the three uh, boiled eggs at breakfast today. Just the two. Just the two, Mrs. Wembley. Uh, No, she said, just the one, just the one, Mrs. Embley. And uh, there we go. So lots of fun and games coming on the show today, uh, which I will enlighten you uh, over the course of the next, uh, next few minutes here. But we are doing a little bit of a cabinet reshuffle when it comes to the tools and implements in the bathroom over the course of the weekend. We're getting some new plungers. We're testing out some new plungers. Which plunger is going to be the best, the red or indeed the blue plunger? Uh, it was almost like the parliamentarians, the rounder heads versus the cavaliers in the plunger department. And also our uh, our old tool, our hair extraction tool, wasn't working very efficiently. Everything's plugged, everything's blocked. We need a cabinet resweep, a cabinet reshuffle when it comes to my little snaky thing it's called. It's a snaky thing that removes the hair. So we're going to be taking on plungers red versus the blue plunger you've got the cavaliers versus the roundheads all the tories versus labor and we're doing the same in the uh in the in the snake department we got this little snake that has these little little barbs on there that you know comes in and removes all the hair i guess that's you could say that's what's happened to boris (laughs) the barbs have come in and removed boris but luckily he's still got a good mop of hair that's 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 all good stuff here but uh yeah no, no more boris bikes uh, his basically the Conservative Parliamentary Party has told him to get on your bike, uh, and uh, there he goes, sail into the sunset. Going to make a ton of money, probably writing another uh, Churchill biography. Lots of speaking events here. Let's hope he's a little bit better prepared than that Peppa Pig speech from a few months ago. Although I'd love to have that reenacted. Maybe Boris could do the voiceover for the Peppa Pig moving forward. He certainly has a little bit of Daddy Pig about him. As I know my, my dear self, I'm, I'm sort of turning into Daddy Pig as, uh, as time progresses. But time to get on your bicycle, Boris, and cycle on into the sunset. Terrific nonsense. So a lot of American pals have asked me, so what's going on? Oh my God, is UK Trump gone? Is UK Trump gone? Well, yes, he's he's gone. Now, do they need an election now? I mean, this is what they're saying. So trying to explain this all. Trying to explain so this is the text i got in this morning here from a from a friend of mine so i basically i guess good old boris was caught in quite the pickle well, good terminology my american friend for a start love that love the turner fraser how does it work in britain does somebody in his party step in as an interim well that's what people sort of want until uh, or do they do another election immediately well Sort of, my dear boy, sort of. And I said, well, there's no general election yet. So the, the Conservative Party 1922 committee narrows the choices down to two candidates. After a Conservative MP vote, then the Conservative Party members vote for the final choice. Boris, PM until September, uh, but probably some people want him uh, removed before that Date. so i mean explaining this is it sort of got this reaction here oh, oh yeah, I'm, so, I'm so sorry about that i mean i i was trying to make it a little bit more but just a little bit more interesting but i'm so sorry dear chap but there we go so he, he's basically in there the cavalier's in there uh, until probably September, unless he's unless he, they change the rules. Because again, the 1922 committee—it's actually fascinating. A 1922 committee is electing a new executive, so they can change the rules and probably try to oust Boris. You know, within a couple of days here. And you know, what do you think about that? Yeah, you, know, you like that, do you? The, Uh, So if you have any sort of uh, problems with insomnia or anything like that, sleep apnea, keeping you up all night, uh, just read you the rules. So basically, you go to the 1922 committee and then you just... uh, Oh, I say. So coming up on the show today on the program, keep calm and cauliflower cheese. I enlightened you the other week about this Jaws documentary. Hope you've watched it. Absolute fabulous documentary. But I thought over the over the course of the July Fourth weekend, yeah, when it comes to celebrating Fourth of July, I like to watch uh, shark movies with uh, people being uh, maimed, bitten in half. Uh, on the beach, in sort of Cape Cod or Florida, whichever one you're watching here. And I watched the other Jaws movies. Not Jaws 2. I think Jaws 2 is fine. But I watched Jaws 3 and Jaws The Revenge. Uh, We're going to be talking about that later because it's... I mean, I haven't watched these in a while. Uh, Watched them with my love. And, uh, yeah. yeah. She wasn't overly impressed, let's put it that way. And... Alana's Morissette ought to know. Isn't she touring again now? ESPN uh, was showing the other day, I love the cornhole competitions. I don't know what it is. On 4th of July, I seem to be drawn to Nathan's hot dog eating competition and also uh, the cornhole throwing competition. Now, it's it sounds like sort of the cornhole competition sounds like sort of an IBS issue, doesn't it, really? I mean... You don't want to eat too much corn, remnants of corn. The corn hole competition could give you diverticulitis, I think. Too much corn uh, popping into the hole and out. Yeah, you don't want that. What I like to eat on the 4th of July. Do you think I like a hot dog, bratwurst, baked beans, barbecued food? What do you think I like? Uh, Also, dishwasher safe. What does that mean? What does that mean to men? What does that mean to women? What does that mean to me? I think I've got hairier as well. I've seen a baby toad abundance. I think uh, maybe the world is coming to a close. And we have uh, all, of the, uh, all of the evils uh, and pestilence coming from uh, almost biblical. I've seen a lot more toads recently. And I saw a fly whose body was so big uh, earlier today that its legs couldn't support it. And I do think this is sort of the harbinger of doom. And we're looking at something sort of biblical going to happen soon with all of these, uh, these things uh, coming at once here. Um, and again, I don't know if I brought this up before in the podcast, but t- t- TV sounds, unless you have one of those sound bars, I can't hear anything. I put Boogie Nights on the other night and I couldn't hear it. I mean, maybe you don't need to necessarily hear all the dialogue in Boogie Nights. Although it's absolutely superb movie. Haven't watched it in a number of years. But it's a masterpiece, isn't it? And uh, watched in the coverage over the course of the last couple of days. Why do all of the reporters shout questions at the MPs that are going into 10 Downing Street? They, they, they very rarely answer. So why are they shouting? They're interrupting coverage. It makes terrible... Television. We'll be talking about that possibly as well. Uh, Also, reshuffling of the bathroom implements and tools. We're having a cabinet reshuffle of uh, bathroom tools and indeed uh, and indeed implements here. But I saw this uh, in the week. I put this uh, I put this up on Twitter in the week here. I heard a British person call Oreos chocolate sandwich biscuits this is obviously an american twitter thing so i heard, heard a british person called oreos chocolate sandwich biscuits and i finally understand why the revolutionary war had to happen i revisited uh, jaws 3 which is jaws 3d in 19 it was 1983 that came out and i revisited jaws of revenge over the fourth of july weekend and watched them and uh, indulged them I mean, I can't remember when I watched them, but maybe Jaws 3D with all the bad visuals that are extra terrible if you're not watching it in 3D. I don't know what it would like if you watched it in 1983 in 3D. I mean, it might have been quite impressive. But, yeah, it's a a very dodgy hand being chopped off that looks like a mannequin's hand floating to the top. Yeah, not particularly impressive. And also, in one of them, I can't remember which one, but there were no shark attacks in the, last, in the first half an hour. There was a plot build-up. And there was, no, there was no sign of Jaws or any shark attacks uh, in, uh, in, the first, uh, in the first half an hour. And it made us think, it made, my, it made my sweet, think, maybe there's just three overly aggressive dolphins. Forget the shark. There's no shark in this movie. But you've got overly aggressive uh, brainwashed dolphins uh, swimming around Cape Cod. And then there was another scene where blood started come out, coming out of the shark's mouth before the victim was even bitten. So you had a whole load of blood, you know, emanating from the shark's mouth before the victim was even eaten. And it made me think that this shark maybe has very bad gingivitis and gum disease. And it's just has a little bit of that sort of bleeding going on, you know, then. That... I mean do sharks floss? I mean I imagine American sharks probably floss. I mean how much, how expensive would it cost for a shark to go to the dentist? I mean I saw the bill from my daughter's going to the dentist the other day and I think it just it's just a sealant and it's and it's $200 with insurance. What? You know imagine jaws all that chewing and chomping. And if if he's not if uh, if they're not flossing properly then you've got a real problem going on. You could have a gingivitis situation going on. I bet that shark has terrible fish in breath, wouldn't you say? Awful. But anyway, between the bad uh, the bad special effects and the plot lines, and Michael Kane was in Jaws of Revenge. I mean, it was a little of a lull in his career um, between a couple of Oscars, I think. And... Uh, I don't know if he's ever re-watched the movie, but he says that it paid for one of his houses, so it was worth doing. I mean, you imagine him, maybe the shark, don't throw bloody spears at me. We're going to need a bloody spear. We're going to need a bigger spear. Did the shark realise in Georgia events that you've got a huge star? You can't kill Michael Caine in the first 10 minutes. And at the end, they couldn't even decide what they were going to do with the shark. Eventually, eventually, the shark was going to be impaled on some spear. I mean, don't stick a bloody spear in the shark. But uh, so the spear sort of impaled the shark. And then for some reason, the, uh, the shark exploded. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. I mean, <laughs> he didn't say it, but he should have done, shouldn't he? But uh, yeah, they're not good revisiting. Maybe back in '87, '83, they were a decent watch, but um, a little bit, a little bit tedious, I think, uh, when it comes to uh, modern day viewing. And don't let the kids watch it. I mean, they would just laugh that out of town. When you've got Stranger Things going on with uh, double series and all these episodes coming out, and uh, you're, you're showing a dodgy mannequin's arm and uh, a couple of washed up stars yeah that's not going to impress the youngsters is it so the youngsters probably won't like jaws uh, but also they don't like hp sauce apparently house of the parliament brown sauce sales drop as youngsters snub fry-ups for avocado on toast and chutneys Sales are down 12.4% as a traditional full English breakfast makes way for a lighter, more exotic options such as peri-peri or chili jam. I have no idea what peri-peri is. Am I showing my age here? A bacon butty just isn't the same without it, but brown sauce such as HP is falling out of favor as youngsters turn to spicier alternatives. Sales are down 12.4% as a traditional full English breakfast makes way for a lighter, more exotic options. The drop reported in trade magazine The Grocer, as part of a fall in popularity for all the traditional condiments, including ketchup, English mustard, in favour of new favourites such as peri peri or chilli jam. Now I still got, I still got Colmans, I still got HP, still got ketchup in my fridge. What does it say? I mean, I think that's probably I might as well just uh, etch old fart on my forehead right now. Pan uh, Digfer, who co-founded Sauce Shop for her husband James in 2014, said brown sauce just isn't. Uh, go with a lot of sorts of food people eat these days people are enjoying avocado on toast uh, uh, sakshuka, uh which is eggs and spicy tomato sauce rather than a fry they're eating spicier sauces with these but chef uh, sahina Banerjee, who developed a range of chutneys with south asian ingredients said uh, ingredients uh, specialist food co said there was still sauce in every store cupboard for a trusty bottle of hp there's always room for it He's got a little bit of tamarind, a little bit of sugar. Often I'll reach out if I'm looking to add a bit of sweetness or saltiness to a meal such as pasta sauce. Grocer Frederick Gibson Garton first created the sauce at his shop in Nottingham in 1899. He was unable to settle a debt with his vinegar suppliers and handed over the name and recipe for HP Sauce for £150. He also agreed to um, keep the sauce and pickle business. It's now owned by Heinz. HP Sauce became known as Wilson's Gravy as in the 1970s, after the wife of Labour Prime Minister Harold Wilson revealed in an interview that he liked to drown everything in brown sauce. Bonus Morissette ought to know that one hand in her pocket might save her hand from the jaws of jaws. So the other day, ESPN was showing Nathan's hot dog eating competition rather than showing Wimbledon. I was thinking, what on earth is going on here? First of all, I don't understand why people would stuff 150 hot dogs in their mouth. Uh, it seems absolutely awful. It made me think, though, how many hot dogs would it take to kill you? Everybody wants to know the mostest hot dogs you can eat, but nobody dares to ask if there's a point of no return for scarfing up the frankfurters. So Popsi relishes weird questions, And we found out exactly how you can push yourself when the barbecue gets a little heated. The answer unsurprisingly lies in the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, which they were showing on ESPN instead of Wimbledon. The good thing about silly traditions like this one is they provide an easy way to study the extremes of human bodies. Without the incentives of national titles and televised events, it would be very hard to convince grown-ups to crush piles of francs until they puke or pass out. But with piles of data from Nathan's famous annual showdowns, we can get some idea of how many hot dogs a person can stomach. In a 2020 study, James Smoglia, a physiologist from High Point University in North Carolina, crunched the numbers 152 Nathan's competitors to see the maximum number of hot dogs a person could eat per minute for 10 minutes, which generally how long the contest runs. He found that based on the mass and caloric uh, value of regular hot dogs plus the stretchiness of the human gut an adult can handle seven to eight francs and buns tops every 60 seconds if they hold the pace over the 10 minute span they can mow down 70 to 80 hot dogs which if you're counting comes to around twenty thousand calories after that the body stops digesting food and starts to shut down in post-game interviews, some Nathan Champs say they feel very sleepy and nauseous once they hit their limits. Thankfully, has died at the table of the contest's four-decade history. Standard serving size for a beef hot dog in its wrapping rests squarely at one. If you toss a couple extra on your plate and add some trimmings, you'll probably feel stuffed. But your body will otherwise recover after eight or nine hours. Again, the window doesn't apply for every person. If you have a pre-existing condition such as high cholesterol, it could be a real problem. In theory, most hot dogs, the more hot dogs you eat, the more chance you have of getting sick overall. Franks can be a breeding ground for uh, listeria, and um, while well, most frozen products come pre-cooked, they still have to be heated or steamed to 165 degrees. We don't have an official recommendation on eating hot dogs. If you eat 10 different hot dogs, there's a risk of one being undercooked. Oh, please give me some pims, some tennis and some strawberries and cream. I made it a tradition on the 4th of July, you know, I don't put my red coat on or get a musket or anything along those lines, not anymore anyway at least, Uh, but I always eat a curry. I always have a Ruby Murray on the 4th of July, a couple of samosas, very spicy curry, so I am going a little bit spicier here, Uh, spicier than the brown sauce, and that's how I like to uh, celebrate my 4th of July with a curry. I don't go near a hot dog, don't go near a bratwurst, don't go near any baked beans that day. And I, and I celebrate the, uh, the, the awful loss that we had uh, at, uh, during the British Empire. Uh, King George III takes a great deal of responsibility, apparently. Uh, yeah, I take the loss pretty hard and I just have myself an incredibly hot curry. It's hot as I dare and uh, see where that takes me for the rest of the evening. So, as I said, I'm taking a and doing a little bit of a bathroom implement tool reshuffle this weekend. And uh, we're going to start with a very, very plugged situation, plugged drainage situation, uh, where I've, uh, over the course of the last three or four months, I think I've developed even more hair than before. So, we have a whole sort of Neanderthal. Uh, Sasquatch situation going on where the plug is completely blocked. And we've done this before on the podcast, but today we're going to be trying out these drain snakes. We have a red snake. So we have the red snake uh, for the roundheads, uh, for the Labour Party, and the blue snake for the Cavaliers, for the Tories, for Boris Johnson, etc. And we're going to try out and see which uh, which snake would win in our, little, uh, in our little bathroom implement tour reshuffle? So would it be a landslide uh, or, uh, or would it be sort of a hung parliament with lots of hair hung off the implement? I mean, it could be that situation. So we've got our runners and riders here. We have Boris Blockage uh, is, uh, is our blue snake here. Uh, and along with uh, the snake himself, Michael Gove, uh, they're part of one team. And then we have uh, Angela Drainer and Sir Clear the Drain uh Starmer uh, competing on this side. So we're gonna start off here, we're gonna have uh the, the Tories going first, the blue. So again, we're going to oh I've got like wet knees from the wet bath mat here. We're gonna pull back the aris. Yep, we're pulling back the aris, and I'm gonna go straight in here with uh with Boris Blockage and the snake himself, Michael Gove, we're gonna stick the blue snake right into the plug hole and we're gonna see what sort of hair we're gonna pull out. In this cabinet reshuffle, this general election, we're gonna see which of these snakes is better when it comes to removing hair, removing the blockage that we have uh, currently here. So I'm pulling, pulling the snake out here. Oh my God, it says, it's awful. It's like a tar black colour of uh, hair on the uh, on the snake here. It's bloody awful. Absolutely bloody awful. I tell you. So a lot of hair. It went halfway up of black tar like hair, and it's stretching all around the snake here. So Boris Blockage and the snake himself, Michael Gove, that quite a lot of hair. It's gone halfway up. So we're going to take this one. And we're going to clean it up and uh, we're going to then go to uh, Angela Drainer and to clear the blockage starmer. Just wait a second as we uh, as re we, uh, we, we compliment everything here. So after uh, after the Tories uh, go for the snake and Boris blockage, we're just going to see if the, how the water's flowing in and out of the bath. Whoops, I nearly got soaked by the shower there as well. We're going to see, well, it's draining a little bit better, but there's still a blockage. So we're going to, we're going to send in Angela Drainer and uh, secure, to clear the blockage. And we're poking the snake back in. This is uh, our red snake. We'll see which is better, which is more effective than removing the blockage. Politics, they used to say it's a dirty job, but somebody has to do it. It's the same with clearing a drain. So we're popping the snake down into the plug hole. This is the red snake. See what Angela Drainer can do here. And we're pulling it out. And more black tar has been removed. It's, to be frank, it's, it's, it's sort of like half a dozen of one, six of one and half a dozen of the other. So it looks to me that both snakes, the blue Cavalier Tory snake and the red Labour snake have removed the same amount of hair, but there still seems to be a blockage in the system. Oh dear, I have a nasty stain down the yolk yellow shorts that I had on. Sort of Bill Clinton-esque type of Lewinsky stain. Uh down the shorts now. Uh, but it's black tar from hair that I just removed from the plug owl. Ugh, I'm just wondering if I need to get the stain out. Terrible. Anyway, the things I do for the podcast, I should be a plumber in my, uh, in my new career, possibly. That's something I need to look at. From butler to plumber, <laughs> it could be the way. Certainly have the plumber's crack going on, so uh, I'm almost halfway there, I would say. Wimbledon players have been owed to be responsible with food vouchers. The AELTC has warned Wimbledon tennis players to be more judicious when it comes to their daily food allowance. During their time competing at the All England Lawn t- Tennis and Croquet Club, players are given a daily allowance of £90 to spend on food. Half the amount is given to the tennis coaches. However, one coach has reportedly been caught making the absolute most of his allowance by purchasing 7- 27 probiotic yogurt drinks. In just one day, it makes me wonder though. If this coach was watching one of his uh, one of his players playing, and he had 27 probiotic yogurts. I mean, let's let's hope it's going to be a straight sets victory. If that went to five sets, uh, yeah, he, he's going to need one or two many bathroom breaks. I think. Uh, I mean, he's probably thinking, "Oh my God, not another tie break! I can't handle this." 27 probiotic yogurts later. The, uh, the, the, the committee has since reportedly emailed all of these CS players to address the issue. Accreditation tags are given to the players and coaches, which they can use at the checkout to pay for food items. The accreditation tags can also be used at two uh, coffee bars, two sandwich bars, two restaurants, all local to Wimbledon. The budget has already been firmly set at 90 pounds a day. Instead, it's reportedly urged players to not buy excessively in bid to ensure there's no shortages of food. In 2017, Gary Parson, the executive uh, chef of the Players' Lounge, which serves food such as pasta and salad to the players and coaches, noted how important it is that players come to the restaurants and choose the food that might be right for them. That's why we have basic core salads, and then the coaches might say you need plenty of spinach, cucumbers, radishes. So they're building their own dishes as things are going on. Issues with food allowances also cropped up at the Australian Open. Players were offered unlimited food, drinks and refreshments during the tournament. However, the scheme was shut down after it was actually exploited. While some players and coaches have been getting free food each day in the tennis tournament, some spectators have been left gobsmacked by the cost of food and drink. £11 for a tray of chicken and chips with a side of coleslaw. In typical British fashion, another tennis fan used the outrage over the pricey chicken to raise awareness at the whopping cost of a pint that is £7 a pint. Players are always talking about the towels as well. These must be the most fabulous fluffy towels ever. They always say that they steal the sh- towels after the matches. And cigarette sales are booming on the black market, but Brits buying them have been warned after reports purchases are being fake and containing traces of poo. Say its sales of fake cigarettes laced with poo are spiked as the black market, or maybe the brown market, uh, for cheap uh, cigarettes booms amid Britain's cost of living crisis. Gangs are cashing on soaring prices as smokers in the north and midlands struggle to afford legitimate cigarettes. Almost one in five smokes puffed in the UK is either contraband or counterfeit, a report by Philip Morris International has revealed. Former Scotland Yard detective. Chief Inspector Will O'Reilly, now a consultant for the tobacco industry, said illicit cigarettes pose a risk to people's homes in terms of house fires. They've been found contaminants such as mites, insects, eggs, fungi, and even feces. Mr. O'Reilly said he and his team found phony gaspers are widely available for sale on British streets. Mouth in, mouth out. I wonder if you, if you attach one of those lovely filters to it if it makes make a difference, like Terry Thomas. Oh, yeah, hello. Hello, you lovely cigarillo. If that, if that, or, or maybe putting some toilet duck on it or something, dipping it in some bleach. My sister telling me the cigars I smoked uh, smelt like shit. Now you're literally smoking shite. British people are admitting the clichés they're tired of hearing about themselves and oof Okay, number one. It irritates me when other, particularly Americans, go on about British food being terrible. These are some of the responses. I travel the world and I think our cuisine is much better and more varied than a lot of places. The food is purely from... Uh, World War II when American soldier was stationed here and we had rationing and the country was slowly starving to death so of course the food was bad American food is actually terrible though you can't even get cheese right and everything else is loaded with soy and seed oils agreed though I went to New York a few years ago really looking forward to the food and was I disappointed yes it was all so sweet had no flavor and we went to quite a few places and said what the hell is up with this this is not butter the whole bad teeth thing. Number two, man, I hate this one. I've seen enough Americans in person to know that many of them have awful teeth. We're in Scotland. I uh, get three dentists until we're 26. Not many people up there have bad teeth. This one annoys me too. Our teeth are pretty healthy compared to the rest of the world. The myth largely stems from the extent of teeth whitening and straightening in the US. Whereas here, if your teeth are healthy, but a little wonky or yellowed, nobody really cares. And there's a British accent. And it always sounds like Hugh Grant. What does that even mean? Like Geordie, Scouse, Cockney, Yorkshire, Brummie, Welsh, Norwegian. We as a country have the most varied of accents and dialects the world has ever seen. I've somewhat spoiled the TV show I'm enjoying when they introduce a British character and they go for the ridiculous accent. Oh, golly gosh. That we're obsessed with tea. It's just a drink, some people have at home. Look at our high streets, we have coffee shops and pubs. You don't see many tea bars, even tea that's for sale in coffee shops is rarely bought compared to coffee. We always get tourists asking for the best spot for afternoon tea, it's hard to explain. That's not something Brits really do and it's mainly for tourists and it's gimmicky. The weather thing. Pretty much all of Western Europe and larger parts of the US have the same even shittier weather. London and the East Coast gets less rain than most of Northern Europe. The worst thing about a wearer is the mediocrity of... Here are some of the other clichés that uh, the people around the world think about the British. That we're all anxiety-riddled weirdos. That somehow we're oppressed as a nation by our government. Uh, Number eight here, when people say Brits love queuing, waiting and standing in line. That we're all reserved, stiff upper lip, Hugh Grant types who wouldn't say boo to a goose. And then that we're all God bless the Queen... That we need a license to do anything, that we drink warm beer, people are not being friendly, not talking in public. Everybody lives and works in Londinium. The Scottish people are hard to understand. Those are some of the cliches that foreigners think about the British. Terrific nonsense, terrific nonsense. It's gonna be nearly 100 degrees here in Colorado tomorrow. I think it's, it's probably 90 degrees in the UK, even hotter across Europe. Uh, this, uh, this weekend. These are the best ways to reduce sweating, people. And I have to say, none of these have worked. I put, like, I put antiperspirant deodorant all over my uh, hairline. I have a very, very sweaty head. I've talked about this on the podcast before. But apparently, use an aluminium, yes, aluminium, not aluminium, aluminium-based antiperspirant. Sweating is a physiological response to uh, keep the body self-cool. And it's important for controlling body temperatures says uh, Dr. Zane Blafter, a consultant dermatologist in Lister Hospital, Chelsea, West London. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it can be embarrassing and sweat patches are unsightly. Yes, please don't wear the undershirts. Don't do the undershirts. Antiperspirants are first-line treatment can be highly effective if you select one with active ingredient aluminium or aluminium-based products. They work by simply plugging sweat glands to reduce the sweat production. That sounds awful, doesn't it? I, 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 I sort of I got removed things out of the plug earlier. Now we're plugging it up again. Oh, Have a cold drink or even a hot cup of tea. Something as simple as sipping a cold drink can help reduce sweating with studies. Athletes showing that drinking ice cold water reduces the body temperature. Often the most basic things are helpful. So don't overlook using a fan, washcloths and cold compresses, ice packs to stay cool. They're very good at reducing the sweat rate. And then you can consider Botox for excessive sweating. Hyperhidrosis, which I think I have in my head, as a medical term for excess sweating is treatable. But then I'm going to look like Roger Moore in uh, View to a Kill in 1985, where, he, you know, one moment he looked like he was 55, and then he looked like he was 55, uh, but also cat-like. I don't know if I want to do that. And talking of Roger Moore, 1977, 7th July, 1977, the brilliant, The Spy Who Loved Me was released on that date. Hats off. Brilliant James Bond movie. Um, So anyway, I don't think I'm going to do the Botox, but just have some hot tea as well. That'll get you sweating. But then at the same time, it'll cool you down. We have very British problems official on Twitter. They're doing a brilliant sort of dunking biscuit thing on uh, TikTok at the moment. You had the rich tea, you have a ginger nut. Which biscuits hold up best... To dunk, you should follow them, go on TikTok and watch which biscuits hold up best to some severe dunking action. But here we go. Very British problems. The younger generation will never know the fear of the house ringing past 8 pm, causing everybody to freeze and to say, Who's ringing at this hour? The peak of British passive aggressiveness, putting the next customer, please, divider down behind somebody else shopping whilst mumbling, Don't worry, I'll do it myself then inside your head and uh, working from home translation, watching the tennis with the laptop open. Infamously, them the breaks. British way to say I've been through the most harrowing and traumatising experience of my life. It is what it is. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. All the nonsensical stuff that goes into the uh, creative juices that uh, develop this podcast, Uh, basically brewed out of old stale tea leaves And some uh, rather stale biscuits as well. Not even Duncan can rejuvenate those biscuits, I tell you. Anyway, if you like to listen to the podcast, like and subscribe where you can. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. You can do that on Spotify. There's an audio version on there. Slacker, Breaker, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Audible. Many, many different things. As Larry the Cat meowed the other day, outside 10 Downing Street, you could hear keep coming cauliflower cheese emanating from the dear pussy's mouth. Terrific nonsense, terrific nonsense. I'm wondering if Dylan the dog and Larry the cat actually do get on, who knows? But if you like music though, the Butler and Pouring Musical Edition on Spotify, you can have such wonders as Queen, Winner Takes It All Aber, Born in the USA, Springsteen the Boss, you can have some sweetest pie, you can have some tennis, you can have some divine comedy, you can have some Elton John, you can have some communards, and then sailing away with a classic piece of yacht rock uh, before the close of play on the podcast. But coming up next, we have some British political poems for you. This is called British Politics. I did well not to get involved with politics. Like Big Ben I looked down on Westminster politicians I wouldn't give them the time of day. I didn't complain when the Tories lost all their seats in Scotland. I didn't take the matter up the ombudsman. I didn't get into a handsome cab with Disraeli. I passed the House of Commons obliviously like the monarch i took no part in constitutional affairs i did not read politics brothers i read mystics saint Teresa of avalon saint francis of assisi wind and trees moss on stones herbs and pots i found a writer's hut a path to the fairy dell. I have fairy wings I won't give up. The fair, fair ones made for me by clairvoyant laureate for 2003. Awarded me the diamond talisman. A hidden gem of beauty. Now the Green Party are after me. I didn't go on the peace march in Glasgow. I just pushed through the crowd at the Borders bookshop. And had a coffee with Hans Christian Andersen. I've done well not to get into politics. I'd only make a fool of it. It's like screaming Lord Such. I dropped a poem in a ballot box once. A vote for Tennyson. I did that much. I will be back before the close of the weekend with another Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Stay cool out there. It's also good to have damp bedsheets as well. Have you tried that one? That keeps you very, very cool at night but you'll probably wake up with a chill. Cheerio. Terrific nonsense. Terrific nonsense. Don't let the buggers get you down.